there is hope. I think just what we were just talking about. Like I said, I believe that that's found in Jesus, but I I want people to know that they're they are loved, and that again, the most important thing we can do is is to love people well and to do life with each other and encourage each other because we are all in this together. Nobody has it figured out. We all live in a broken world, which means none of us will be perfect, but we're not called to be perfect. We'll never be. And once you can take that pressure off of yourself and just come as you are, I think that changes everything. Welcome everyone to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? All right, welcome back to the ultimate shift. Today we have Nicole Renard. Am I saying that right? Yes, you got it. So you were Miss Washington of 2017. Yes. So you've done pageants, you've done all kinds of, uh, you were a two-time national title holder, you're in journalism. What else do you do? Is it your <laughs> content creator? Yeah, it's funny. I feel like I've been involved in so many different things in my life and none of it really makes any sense because it doesn't go together. But in my head, it does. So I've been a pastry chef before. I have a YouTube channel. Like I, like you mentioned, I competed in pageants for 10 years of my life. Grew up as a dancer, um, studied film and television and broadcast journalism. So I've done all kinds of different random things. But currently, I am a full-time content creator with TikTok and YouTube making food videos. Wow. And you also have a travel. Right? Yes. So which, it's which is your YouTube, I guess. Yeah, it's all kind of under the same brand of Nicole Nomad. It's a food and travel lifestyle blog. Okay. So how did this start? Like from journalism, so you went to, to college for journalism, I'm assuming that was your major. And yes. then then did you ever pursue that or actually go into that? Or did you just happen upon this other venture? Yeah, I didn't. I At the end of my senior year, I realized that I really didn't want to move to the middle of nowhere and become a reporter and try to work my way up the ladder, which is traditionally how that role in that job works. Really um, just didn't, small towns yeah, didn't really feel called there. I think it's so, so fun. And I learned a lot about it, obviously, in college. But um, my freshman year of college, I realized that I was spending way more time making a list of the things I wanted to do instead of actually doing them. And I was like, that's lame. I don't want to be like that. Like, I want to actually do these things. I want to go on these adventures, go on these trips, make these recipes, whatever it was that was on the list. I want to do that. I want to do stuff. And so I started a blog called the Do Stuff Blog because at the time I wasn't a very good writer. And one thing that they were teaching us in school was that in order to make it in television, you have to know how to write. They won't hire you unless you know how to write. And so I was like, well, I need to learn how to write. And really the blog for me was just accountability to, to become a better writer and also to do the stuff on the list. And every time I checked something off the list, I would write about it. And then people started reading it. And I noticed some of my friends were posting things using hashtag do stuff. Cause I started that as a way to like keep track of all the adventures I went on. And so this do stuff became a movement that was encouraging people to stop talking about these things you want to do and just go do them. Like just do stuff. It doesn't matter what it is. Stop waiting until you're ready because you're never going to be ready. Yeah. And that really um, launched me on this trajectory of some incredible things, adventures, trips, things I've been able to do and ended up changing the name to Nicola Nomad because I was traveling around the world a lot. But it 
kind of encompassed travel, food, and all the different things that I love. And I just feel lucky now that I get to do it full time. I never thought that it would be something that people would be interested enough in to follow me and um, make that a reality. It's amazing. I mean, that's, I'd say a lot of people want to live that life. Yeah, it's, it's hard work. I mean, it, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I definitely have learned a lot in the last couple of years, especially now that I'm full time. But it's it's not all glamorous, I will say that. And I try to be very like transparent about that on social media because it can often be a highlight reel. And I do my best to be honest about the bad days just as much as I am the good. So where did where does do stuff come from? Meaning, what was the why behind that? What was the was there as a kid like? Let's start there. What did you want to do when you were a child thinking about like? Well, when I grow up, I want to be... Yeah. My first dream, and I know this because I've got a kindergarten like printout worksheet that I filled out that said, when I grow up, I want to be dot, dot, dot. And you could draw in what you wanted to be. And I said, an artist that paints bears. And I drew one blob <laughs> with a smiley face, and I drew another blob with a smiley face with the paintbrush. And that was me, and the other one was the bear. So that was my first dream. And then I wanted to be an astronaut and be the first woman on the moon. Um, and growing up as a dancer, I just figured I would move to New York and be on Broadway. I had all these different things I wanted to do. Another big one was move to LA and be Hannah Montana and do the whole acting modeling thing. But I think I just got sick of hearing people talk about all these awesome things and then never do them. And I'm the type of person, like, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Like, if you bring up a road trip, I'm packing the car. Like, let's go. I don't want to just talk about this stuff and it never become a reality. And so that I think fueled my, my drive to, to do stuff. That's amazing. So when you started into this TikTok thing and, and content creation, basically, so I, I never, I'm not, I try, what was it? I, I'm on social media to an extent, but I'm not a content creator by any means. Uh, meaning, you know, we put the show out there, but I don't even edit the show or anything like that. I record it and then, then it's all in other people's hands. How did you find it, or what would you say to people who are wanting to, to grow their influence and in whatever it is they're trying to do? And how did you find it to start to, to get people's attention? Mm, yeah, oh gosh, there's so many things I could say, but I think the first question is why? Why do you want to grow your influence? Is it just so that you can be famous or get a blue check mark? Or why is that even important? You know, I think the motive behind all of that has to be very clear. And also, what value are you providing? Why should people follow you? Why would one random girl in Minnesota who doesn't know you from Adam, why would she follow you? You know, I think for the longest time, I just wanted to say I had a lot of followers and there was no meat behind it. There was no reason for people to follow me until I understood really what I was offering in that space. And once I figured that out, I still didn't gain a following. I don't think that's up to me. It's out of my control. It's something that was given. It was something that just happened. I don't think it's anything to do with what I did or how I posted. I think I got to a point where I realized, you know, I'm going to be myself as cheesy as that might sound, but be real on here because I just got sick and tired of how fake it can be sometimes and how um, I, I felt like I had to be perfect and always post pictures where I'm smiling and happy and joyful when I wasn't. I was right. breaking on the inside. I was lonely. I was depressed. I didn't have any friends and I was hiding all of that because I thought that that was the only way to gain a following. And so I think understanding your why is super, super important because then that, that drives your content that, that decides what you're even posting about to begin with. You know, I think a lot of people 
um, I just had noticed in, in my generation specifically a lot of people who want to be an influencer. And I, I don't think influencer or influence is a profession. It's an outcome. And that's not something we can control. Meaning if so, so you really need to have your why in order to, what is your outcome? What service or outcome would your followers get from following you basically? Yeah, exactly. Like how are you making their day better? Instead right. of just being like, well, I want to be yeah. an influence of whatever. Yeah, like what what are you influencing and what are you influencing people to? Because it has to be more than yourself. If this was all about me, I would only I would hit a wall. I would only go so far. If it, if your goals and this goes for anything in life, if it's something it, that is not bigger than yourself, it's not going to go very far. It has right. to be bigger than that. It has to bring people in and serve people. I believe in order to truly make an impact. What's the biggest thing that you feel like from being a content creator that it has taught you about yourself? Oh gosh, so many things that it's not about me. Truly. It is not about me having a lot of followers. It is not about me posting the prettiest pictures or having the most aesthetically pleasing grid. It really is. It's not about me. I feel so lucky. Truly. Every time I think about it, I'm just blown away by the number of people that follow me only because I want to steward that well. I want to serve those people. That number to me represents hearts. It represents souls of actual human beings who are on the other end of the screen seeing my content. When I think about that, that changes my heart and my perspective to understand that like this can have a significant impact on their lives. So am I going to use that space to make it about me or am I going to use that to encourage them and give them hope and remind them why they're special? That is what is so important to me is instilling in people of any generation, um, where our identity comes from. And I don't think a lot of people know that. And so I think before when I started, I was so focused about myself and people knowing me and my life and how cool I was or whatever I was doing at the time. Like that just is not important to me anymore. Yeah. So, so when you're, when you have that much influence basically, or that many, like you said, hearts and souls and minds that are following you and and then they're looking up to you and they're probably reaching out to you. How do you balance the, the constant maybe messaging, messages? I have a good and dear friend. She's been on the show twice. Phenomenal, just amazing person. Uh, and she goes by AB on social media. She's on TikTok and has a, a lot of people follow her and has a podcast and whatnot. And she, we talk about this a lot. And she often tells me how much she struggles with getting back to everything. Mm-hmm. And and giving everyone the time they deserve, and it's just a never ending cycle. Yeah. And how do you balance it? How do you find that to to be there for people, but also maybe letting people know, like you know what, you know, you have a life too. You have to take care of you. Like like you know, is Nicole okay today? Does Nicole need time for herself today? Versus pouring into everyone. Yeah. So how, how do you find that? How do you balance that part of? Ooh. It's tough, and I don't think I've always balanced it well. I think I just now have gotten to a place where I understand more what that looks like to balance it in a healthy way. But for me, it comes down to setting boundaries. I had to learn where my limits were and how much time to dedicate to it because once my following grew so much, I started to get five times the amount of messages, DMs, comments, likes, all the things. And it's exciting. I want to respond to everyone. I, I do my best to, and I, I read almost every comment just because it, it makes, it matters to me. These, like I said, they're real people and I, I want to get to know them 
So setting boundaries for me has been huge. I try to a lot, at least one hour a day, whether it's at the end of my day, just to go through comments and DMs and do as much as I can and then get to the rest later. But you're right. There's only so much you can do. And at the end of the day, it's not my job. I'm not called to answer DMs all day. I'm called to, you know, for me, my purpose, I know, is to feed people across the world. And I'm doing that right now through social media, but I know that can look a lot of different ways. And so I think remembering again, your why, what your purpose is, and then letting that other stuff go because it's not, it's not my responsibility, but it is hard. I want to respond to everybody. I do have someone that helps me sometimes if it gets to be too much. My mom sometimes helps me, but yeah, that's tough. And, and then on the other side of, of responding and, and giving them attention and everything, there's always, with that kind of influence, there always comes all this, sometimes you get hate, sometimes you get negativity. How, how have you found that or how have you overcome the emotions of having, because everyone's still human at the end of the day. Yeah. And everyone still feels some of that. And, and how do you overcome those emotions and the negativity part? of your, what do you do? Yeah, man, I've had, I've experienced that a few times. I feel fortunate that most of my audience is so kind and sweet. And if anything, they're supportive. So that I feel lucky because I know not everyone's like that, but I have had posts and videos and things that just get a plethora of, of hate comments truly. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to, to see that. And so for me, I have to stop looking. That's number one. Um, and also remind myself that if, they don't know me personally. I can't take it personal. It's easier said than done. I'm a very sensitive person and I care about what people think about me more than I'd like to admit. Even though I'm working on that, it's still really hard to see that, um, especially because I feel misunderstood and I feel like they don't know my heart. And so for them to say things like that, that are so hateful, it's like, oh, I wish they knew. Yeah. So that's another thing that I just have to surrender and try to not take personally as much as possible. And you probably have some sort of, of what do you call it, grooming or whatever, in that if you were going pageants and, and beauty contests and, you know, you're competing for Miss Washington against a lot of other women, how, what did you learn through all of that and from the scope of being judged? Mm. And, and maybe yeah. being judged from an outward perspective and not knowing your heart, your mind, your soul. Yeah, well, with pageants in particular, I had to always remind myself that the result of the pageant are five people's opinion on a certain day based off of about 15 minutes of seeing me because you've got about a 10 minute 15 or 50 15 because you got about a 10 minute interview and then your talent is a minute and a half and then the other phases of competition are about 30 seconds each so you add all that up that's 15 minutes about that the judges are seeing you they're random people who don't know you they don't know your story they don't know your life and so from that limited glimpse that they get of you that's what they're making their they're basing their decision off of. If they ate Rice, Rice Krispies that morning, their decision may have been different than if they ate Fruit Loops that morning. You know what I mean? It's right. so out of your control. And I, I don't think I realized in the beginning of my competition days that that doesn't define me as a person. The results of that competition does not make me more or less valuable or loved. When I was able to really wrap my head around that and let go of that, or at least make it independent from my identity and my worth, that's when I was, I feel like my confidence grew a lot because I was no longer finding it in the results of the competition. Were you surprised when you won? Yeah. I, I mean, I was, I think every time I, 
I have won or have gotten a title, it's been a surprise just because you never know. You, you hope for the best. And I work hard and I want that, but you don't know what's going to happen. And I think the, the title that I had right before Miss Washington was a national title with an organization called Distinguished Young Women of America. It used to be called America's Junior Miss. It's a very big scholarship organization for girls in high school. And I'd never heard of the program before. I literally Google searched college scholarships and that program came up as one that offered a lot of money to girls going to college. And so as a kid, I always wanted to be Miss America. So that was always on the radar. But this other program, I had never heard of it before. So not that I didn't care about it, but my heart just wasn't in it as much as it was for Miss America. So when I went to the national competition, it was nowhere on my radar that I would even be considered and I made, I was the last girl called in the top 10. So I was just thrilled to recompete that final night. And when they started calling the top three, I thought, you know, maybe I could have done well enough for second runner up. Like we'll go for that. And they called Florida. I'm like, oh dang, I don't think I did good enough for first year. I'm like, that's a very prestigious position. I just, I've never gotten first year up before. They called South Carolina. And they said the distinguished young woman of America for 2013 is Washington. And the girl next to me looks at me. She goes, go, that's you. And I'm like, wait, what? I was I, genuinely, that's the most surprised I've ever been because I did not see it coming. But that night I received almost $40,000 in college scholarships, which was one of the main reasons I was able to graduate debt-free and it completely changed my life. And so, I, I mean, I could go on and on about what these programs did for me growing up and how it instilled confidence and gave me life skills that have put me where I am today. But I think a lot of that too comes from consistency. I was, I showed up and I worked really hard. And so whenever, you know, girls compete, I always just encourage them to, you know, figure out your why again, why are you doing this? Why do you want to win? Cause if it's, if it doesn't go beyond just having a crown, then it's not enough. And then work for it, work hard. It's out of your control, but like do your part to show up and, and be your best self and put your best foot forward. What do you think the biggest challenges for young women, uh, whether they're competing or not, whether they're new pageants or not, in specifically America today? Ooh. Say young teenagers as they're trying to figure out their their life and their why, right? And you yeah, know, what they're what they want to do. Yeah, I mean, I think it could be different for every person, but if I had to guess, at least from my experience and from what I went through as a teen and young adult, is that. Um, the understanding that we are not what we do and our, at the end of the day, our value and worth does not equal our productivity and how much we accomplished or how much we achieved. I think I believed that lie. Not, I think I know I believed that lie for many years. And that's what caused me to fall into this vicious cycle of always having to produce more, to work more, to, to be more so that I could prove to other people why I was worthy of being invited or being, being in the friend group because I didn't believe that I was worthy enough without all of that. If I stripped away all my titles, my jobs, my internships, the things that I thought made me cool, if I was just plain, no frills, Nicole, just me, nothing else added to my name, that that wouldn't be enough. And that was a lot to swallow as a kid because I believed it. And that it, it affected my self-esteem. It affected my confidence. It affected every part of my life. And I didn't know it because I was so young and I didn't know how to process that. And so I think um, I just my heart is for young people to realize that at the end of the day, your identity and who you are has purpose, regardless of what you produce or how you succeed or how you fail. 
So if you if you met thirteen year old Nicole today and the challenges that she had and, and you know all the fears of, of coming over and being perfect, if you will, yeah, uh, being enough, what would you tell her? <laughs> Relax. <laughs> Oh, as a 13-year-old, I was a crazy kid for sure, but I was always so worried. I was so worried about what people thought of me. I was so worried about coming out on top, about making my parents proud, about you know being invited to the birthday party. And I was a high-achieving young kid. Like I was, I was killing it as a 13-year-old. I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, I'm like, wow, I wish I just would have enjoyed life a little bit more and not been so uptight and worried all the time. Because it was hard. I was bullied growing up and I had success at a young age, which caused me to be even more alienated from my peers. And I didn't understand that. I couldn't figure out why the girls didn't like me and why they didn't want me to sit with them at the lunch table. And I, I think I just learned that it's lonely at the top. You know, once you are on that level, and I don't, I don't say that to, you know, put myself higher than other people and say that I'm better because I'm not, but when you're, you're achieving things and you're successful, that threatens people. Some people don't like that, whether it's jealousy or whatever it is. And I, it's hard to process as a 13-year-old. Right. With TikTok having a platform it does, and there's so many young people that, that, will, that are building those audiences now, do you think that that is – how do you think that will pan out? Meaning – I think it could be a great thing and it can also be a bad thing. And I guess maybe the better question is, what advice would you give to a person that's in their you know, early or late teens as far as finding balance between, because you don't really know who you are at that age, yeah. right? You're still learning. You're, like you said, you, you don't know whether you're killing it or not. You're just constantly comparing it to right. something else. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone that's in that position as far as balancing and what steps would you maybe advise them to take as far as understanding their value, their worth? Like, would it look yeah. like, you know what, take a little time to walk, to, to read, to, uh, yeah. I don't know what it would be. What would you, what yeah. would you advise someone? A couple of things. I think the first thing is set boundaries. There has to be boundaries. There has to be times during the day and during the week that you turn it off, that you are not online because it's all consuming. It can be. And then also have other things you are passionate about outside of social media, outside of content creation. Find a hobby. Do something for fun. Do something that fills you up. It doesn't have to be posted. If you want to go paint rocks, go paint some rocks. Like I have noticed about myself and my generation that I started, I guess I can only speak for myself, that I started realizing I was only doing things because I wanted to post about them rather than just living life. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, so I have intentionally scheduled things into my week now that I don't allow myself to post. It's it's a rule. It's like, no, this will not be posted because I'm doing it for me. I'm doing it because it's fun. And I want, I want to have hobbies. I want to live life. I got to a point where I realized I think I'm a lot better at working than I am at living life. And I don't, I don't like that. (laughs) You know, that's not the point of life. The point of life is not to get to the end and say, oh, who worked the hard, who worked the most, Mm -hmm. who put in the most hours? Like, uh uh-uh. We're missing the point, you know? So with with young people, I'm scared, truly. I mean, social media started to become a thing when I was like 15, 16. So I really don't know what it's like for the people growing up with it. But my hope is that they're able to set boundaries and realize, again, that it doesn't define who they are at the end of the day and to have other things outside of it that they're passionate about. That their whole life is not 
revolving around yes. all these people that they may not yeah. ever know. Yeah. Well, because think about this. We could wake up tomorrow and TikTok could blow up. The app could be gone, disappear, no more. Then yeah. what? Wow. Is, is so there anything you else, you know? What would you do? What would I do? Oh, gosh. I, um, I've i always dreamed of hosting and producing a traveling cooking show where I travel around the world and learn how to cook different ethnic foods. I really do love video creation. I love storytelling. So I want to write a book. I want to start a podcast. I want to I want to tell stories that matter, that give people hope. And so I'd probably do something in that realm. So you, you've traveled a lot in, in your travel gosh. And your thing is kind of like this smoothie thing. Yeah, that just kind of fell into my lap. I mean, I barely made smoothie bowls. And then I was really studying YouTube at the beginning of quarantine because I wanted, I just wanted to do something on that channel. And one of the videos I watched, you know, some tip on how to grow your channel said, you know, stick with a series for like five to six videos and that consistency will kind of give you a jump start, and then switch to something else. And so I thought, well, I'll do some smoothie bowl videos. And I just started doing these tutorials on how to use different blenders and how to make smoothie bowls. And they started to blow up. And now everybody knows me as the smoothie bowl girl. But it's funny because I used to not do that at all. Like it's really only been a year of that. So when you think about when you first start off in that, there's got to be someone else that's on smoothie bowls, right? Just like in anything else you do in business or. or entrepreneurship what was what went through your mind as in how can i do this different yeah did, did you think about that and, and what steps did you take to try to to stand out absolutely because that's actually something that has stopped me from doing certain things in the past is that that imposter imposter syndrome of oh someone else is already doing it or mm-hmm. that's already been done i don't want to be a copycat there's no space for me. But here's the thing. If you're called to do it, there is space for you. There is space for everybody. There is a lane for you to win. Like everyone can win. And I didn't think I understand understood that until very recently. Um, so with smoothie bowls, the fact that I'm me already sets me apart because nobody else is me. That's unique. But also I, I had to remember that, sure, I might be making the same smoothie bowl as the girl next door, but some people like the way I speak better. They like the way that she communicates, but you know what I mean? Like there are right. certain things right. about people that, yes, that, that attract different kinds of people. And like the people that want to receive the information from me are going to come to my page and vice versa with the other channels. And so I had to get over that feeling of, Oh, I can't do this because it's already out there because I present it in a different way. Nobody thinks like I think nobody speaks like I speak. No one has my sense of humor. Nobody, has my ideas the way I do it. And so um, I think everybody's unique in that, no matter what your field is. Love that. So when it comes to, you talk a lot about just, just doing, just doing, just going after, you know, like you said, if someone's like, hey, that's road trip, you're already packing. I think that that probably helps you a lot in, in the reasons you've been successful because it's, it's always the ones who do versus the ones who don't. Yeah. What do you think it is about People, have you, or have you ever thought about this or studied this? And the ones who tend to maybe try a little bit or they quit, or what do you think makes people stop mm-hmm. chasing their dream, regardless of what the reasoning is and what advice would you give that person to just grind through and just, just go for it? Yeah. Oh, a couple things that just came to mind. The first is fear of failure. I know in my experience, I 
never wanted to do anything I knew I wouldn't be good at because I was afraid of failing and I was afraid of looking dumb. And so I stayed in my comfort zone and I only did things that were easy because I wanted to look good. It was all about performance and appearance and perception of other people and what they thought of me. And really that comes down to pride. It was pride that I had for wanting to look the best, even if I wasn't. And so when I finally got to a point where I was like, you know, I'm sick of this. It's not real. There's all these things I want to do. And I know I'm going to be bad at them. I'll probably fail. When I just did them, like hashtag do stuff, I failed. And I fell on my face. You know what I learned? This is so cool. I, I was okay. Like I still lived. I was still breathing. I failed, but like it didn't kill me. And I learned from it. You know, like every single time I messed up or every single time I felt like it was another failure, I always learned and grew so much more than the times that I maybe won. And then it only made me stronger, but it also reminded me that it's okay to fail. And so this is going to sound really backwards, but now I intentionally do things that are hard and I intentionally do things I know I'll be bad at to remind myself that it's okay to fail, that it will not kill me, and to humble myself. I think humility is a key ingredient to a lot of people's success because in order to do something well, you have to first be willing to do it badly. And I think for the longest time, I was just not willing to humble myself enough to do it badly and to suck and to let it suck so that I could get better. And then people can't relate to that because everyone sucks at yeah. some point in something. Yeah, 100%. I genuinely think and believe that it is more encouraging to follow someone, like talk about being an influencer, to show that, to show the mess ups, to show where you yeah. failed because other people see that and they go, oh, she's just like me. I could do that too. Yeah. I, I failed too. Like that's okay. But look, look at what she's doing now. You know what I mean? Like that speaks volumes, I think to character and is way more encouraging than someone who only talks about the mountaintop success wins. I think those are great, but I just think there's so much value in the valleys as well. Right. I agree. When you find yourself in a valley or you find yourself maybe being burned out of social media, and, and you feel drained and your cup is empty, what do you turn to in order to feel good again, to kind of build, fill your cup up again? Yeah, um, I take a break. I get off the apps. I get burnt out a lot more than I'd like to admit. And I, at least now I'm more aware when those things happen so that I can take a break. Whereas before I would just try to power through until I literally hit a wall and had to physically stop myself. Um, so I take a break. And for me, faith is such a big part of my life. And so I spend time in the word and um, I journal a lot. I write a lot. And one thing that has helped me is to do things that I did as a kid that I really yeah. loved. Yeah. Whether that's painting or, you know, listening to music, making up a dance. It might sound silly, but like those things that I did as a kid filled me up. It allowed my imagination to, to soar. And I find when I go back and do those things and just do them for the simplicity of having fun and living life, that's when I get my creativity back. Wow. Just like nurturing that inner child that we all have in us that just desires to be loved and to be seen and to be heard and to be nurtured. I think people forget about that a lot. Do you think that maybe when we're kids, we have the more Maybe our dreams are, are more authentically us, and then as we grow because of what's being said to us or influence around us, that we tend to lose that and get away from that, and that might be making us more unhappy. I definitely think that could, yeah. I think upbringing has a huge 
role to play in that, your parents and what they tell you as a kid is instrumental in that, you know, the words that you hear and speak over yourself have a lot to do with that. I think as you get older, you know, you discover what your skill sets are, you discover what you're passionate about, but also what you're good at. And hopefully those two things can line up so that you can find something to do as a career that incorporates both of that. I know that it's not always the case for some people, but I definitely think that makes an impact. When you travel the world and and learn more about food and teach the rest of us more about food, what is the one common denominator that you notice, no matter what country you go to or where where you are, what's the one common denominator that you notice in people? <laughs> that we all get hungry. <laughs> Truly think about it. We all have to eat. We all have that in common. Great. No matter where you live around the world, no matter what country you come from, all kinds of food are different, but like we all have to eat. We all want to eat. And here's the thing. We've got more in common than we don't. I think people forget that. There's so much division. There's so much just brokenness in the world. And I think we've forgotten that we actually have more in common than we don't. And so my heart behind the show that I want to produce one day is, is to educate people on that, that, you know, we might all be different. We might come from different walks of life, but as you learn about other cultures and why people are different, why they wear what they wear, why they, you know, celebrate certain things or have certain traditions that that would allow us to be more appreciative and thoughtful and less judgmental when we see people that are different than ourselves, you know, instead of just saying, Oh, that's weird. I don't do that. It's like, no, you understand because you know more about their culture or their background and why they do those things. And I think food specifically unifies because you know you go deeper with people when you share a meal and and food brings communities together brings families together think about any event there's usually always food there there's always food at parties there's food at you know there's there's snacks there's whatever it is like food is a central part of our community and society i've never thought about that but that's you're exactly right (laughs) have you found that most cultures are more than willing to share like the way they cook the way they prep their food with you like they they want to show you they want to share i think so i think if you were to ask here's the thing people like to talk about themselves so if you ask anybody whether it's about food how to cook or just anything about their lives people could talk for days Mm -hmm. and that's what i want to do is i want to tell stories i want to tell people stories about what makes them special so that we can all just learn and grow more I genuinely think even the countries that I've never been to, if you have those honest conversations and genuinely try to get to know people that they're more than willing to share. Yeah, that's how I've found it. Never, I travel anywhere. I don't think I've traveled to the extent you have, but I always think it's interesting how people people want to tell you about their life. Yeah. It's just, it's fascinating. Yeah. So good. So this, this show is obviously called The Ultimate Shift. So when you think back in your old life, your old career, childhood, whatever, is there... A time that you feel like you had that ultimate shift of that maybe transitioned you or changed the trajectory of your life, changed how you thought, changed what you did. And can you think of a time like that and that you would share with us? Yes. I feel like I've had a few. And then you can been, share a few because I, I find those stories fascinating as well. Yeah, there have been a couple like significant moments in my life that I can think about that were real turning points for me. And I think the first one that was notable, um, I was living in New Zealand at the time. I studied abroad there in college, so I was there for six months. And 
was at a really dark place in life before that. I was really struggling with anxiety and depression and an eating disorder and body image issues. All of that really put me in a place where I needed help. And I don't even know really what it was. Maybe it was just the fact that I was away from the United States and kind of away from everyone in my, my life that I was used to where I realized that kind of what we were talking about before that my worth and my value does not depend on what I look like. It does not depend on how successful I am, nor does it depend on how many times I fail. All of that is independent of my eternal worth um, because I was created with purpose. We all are. And so that for me was huge to, to begin the healing process in my mind and my body because I hadn't believed that pretty much my whole life. So that was a big one for me. And then as I started to kind of go through my journey with my career and I moved to LA, I was in the entertainment industry for a long time, living in the middle of Hollywood. I mean, that can really get to your head. I think my perspective just shifted. Like I said, faith is a huge part of my life. And I got to a point where I knew that the fame, the followers, the the glam, that would crush me if my foundation wasn't strong, nor would I get a platform and influence that I wanted if it wasn't rooted in the right things and the right motives. And so, um, with my faith, I had to ask myself, if God took all of this away, if I had zero followers tomorrow morning, if I had no money, um, no job, if I wasn't doing anything cool or fun or fancy, would I, would that be enough? Is Jesus enough? And would I still follow him? Because if not, Am I really a Christian? Am I really someone that follows the Lord? Because that's what I believe. And it doesn't have anything to do with the blessings and the good things in life and all of that that I could, you know, easily fall back on and use as a flex. And so that question for me was always like, whoa, good heart check. So was that more of a, oh my gosh, you just came across that and and, and it changed the the, your mind at that minute that you knew like this is this is something I need to do now or was that more of a, like a a week time frame of just a gradual thought process? Yeah, I, I realized it in a moment. I had that those epiphanies, but then after that, it was an intentional daily decision that I had to keep reminding myself to come back and like put, position my heart in the right way. And as I did that consistently every day, it just became muscle memory. Now my default is to go back to that because it does get easier. It's like if you exercise every day, if you're going to get stronger, those muscles are going to strengthen and it's going to be easier than if you work out one day and then don't work out for three months and try to do a CrossFit class. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I think yeah. that consistency makes a big difference. Yeah. The, you work a lot with like the, the children's miracle yeah. Network, right? Yes. And the, and the cancer patients and things like that. And what is, what do you feel like those kids have taught you the most about yourself? Oh gosh, they're so full of joy, which is so cool because most of them are going through the hardest time in their lives, and some of them don't even make it into their teens. I mean, and do, do they know that then? Like when you're working with them, are they aware that you know what? Like, I'm. I may not be here next week. Or the chances of me being here next week are spending on. Do you yeah. feel like they're aware of that? I think some of them are, definitely, wow. depending on the age. And it's heartbreaking because there's so much potential 
in these kids' lives, and they're so joyful, and they have such pure hearts, and it's truly, it puts things into perspective, for sure, and it's just such a good reminder that life is so short, so what's really important, and are these things that I'm worried about worth worrying about, or can that energy be spent doing something different, and making a difference in people's lives, and serving, and loving people well, because life is so short. It really is. And, it's, and, and when you're working with them, it's that, that gut check of like, well, you know what, what I'm, what I'm dealing with today is not life and death. And mm-hmm. like, so it's part of that reality check. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm, I feel like, I often feel like I should get more involved in some of those things too, instead of being so busy, busy. But um, yeah, I guess it's just like you said, just, just go do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it's such a good perspective too. I've been thinking about that a lot these last couple of weeks. It's like work is good. We're, we're, we're created to work. It's not a bad thing, but anything in excess is not okay. And so there has to be that balance between life and work and serving and all of that. Because at the end of the day, when you get to the very end, what really matters you're not going to be able to take your work with you. You're not going to be able to, you know, you're not going to get a badge for how many hours you put in the office. And so I think I've just been looking at how I spend my day, how I spend my time and the amount of those splices of my day, are those making a difference? Does it even matter? Because if not, I don't know why I'm doing it, you know? So at the end, you've talked a lot about this today, about, you know, at the end of your life and what matters at that point. What, if you had to pick one word and, and on your deathbed to describe your feeling? What would you want that word to be? About what matters in life? About about your life. As if, like if you had to describe the feeling you have when you know that this is my last breath, what word do you think would be your ultimate goal for yourself to have? Like, would it be peace? Would it be fulfillment? Would it be happiness? Would it be... Have you ever thought about that? Not in that context, but I think hope. I think a lot of people don't have hope, and it's sad because there is hope. There is so much hope, and I believe that it's found in Jesus. So it's a bigger, bigger part of just living and dying. Yes, absolutely. And I, the only thing that we take with us are people. People mm-hmm. are the most important. Relationships are the most important. Hearts, souls, you know, that's that's important to me. And so my heart is just that people would know that there is hope. That's good. So if you were given, you kind of have the world platform, but if you were given a stage and the entire world is watching you and somebody said, Nicole, this is this is your time. This is your legacy. This is the only thing that people are going to remember you by. What would you say? What do you think that the world needs to hear today? Mm, that they're loved and that there is hope. I think just what we were just talking about. Like I said, I believe that that's found in Jesus, but I, I want people to know that they're, they are loved and that, again, the most important thing we can do is, is to love people well and to do life with each other and encourage each other because we are all in this together. Nobody has it figured out. We all live in a broken world, which means none of us will be perfect, but we're not called to be perfect. We'll never be. And once you can take that pressure off of yourself and just come as you are, I think that changes everything. Yeah. I like that. Well, I just want to acknowledge you for taking your time today to share your thoughts with the world and 
letting us into your head. And I think it's it's really cool that, that you actually, I can tell you really care about the people who look up to you, who follow you. And I, yeah, I just want to acknowledge you for that. I think that's very, very rare. A lot of people are chasing the fame and and not everyone, you know, but there's there's a lot of people who, um, I think we might all get caught up in that somewhere. And it's, it seems like you really found like your place and your why. And I think that's really cool. And so for our listeners to um, to find you, follow you, and kind of check in with your story and find out how to make smoothies, mm-hmm. um, how do they find you? How do they, uh, and, and there's much more than smoothies, but <laughs> how can they find you, follow you, what platforms? Yes. I'm pretty much on every platform. So TikTok and YouTube are my biggest ones, but I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, Pinterest, you name it. And then my blog, it's all Nicole the Nomad. So Nicole, Nicole the Nomad. Yep. Nicole underscore the Nomad. And then Nicole the Nomad.com is my okay. website. I'm going to put all this in the show notes as well. So you Amazing. can just click on that. Okay. Well, thank you for being here. I really enjoyed this. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks again for tuning in to The Ultimate Shift. Look, I know life is crazy. Life gets busy. And we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up. But there's so many things that come up in between. And my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal. You can follow me on Instagram at Ephraim Glick, Facebook at Ephraim Glick, Twitter at Glick Ephraim, or you can go to the website at EphraimGlick.com. See you next time.